Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 314. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me because he is back home in Las Vegas. In fact, not only is he just back home in Las Vegas, he's on vacation. You believe that? Cole Coffee is, uh, he's not really doing anything, I don't think. <laughs> just trying to burn some time off, man. You know, this is a, a rare non-UFC week. Uh, obviously, in, in, in Vegas, man, the way things have been, it's it's pretty much every damn week for us. Uh, I guess that'll change soon, you know, as we start to get back on the road. I'm sure more of the other crew will be taking some of our events and, and handling some of it. But, uh, yeah, man, during the pandemic, it's been just about every week in Las Vegas, which, listen, not a single complaint. Not a single complaint because that means that we got to keep working, you know what I mean? Uh, but it just means that when there's a rare non-USC event week, you got to take some of your time off or you'll just never get to use that company-awarded vacation that they give us every year. So Cold Coffee is doing just that, hanging out behind the scenes, just chilling in Las Vegas. Me, I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, back in Philly. Uh, I'm here for CFFC duties tonight, uh, sitting down on a Thursday, as we always do. And tonight it's CFFC 94 on USC Fight Pass. And then tomorrow, CFFC 95 on UFC Fight Pass as well. So if you're a Fight Pass subscriber and you want to catch some live fights, uh, please do so. I know tomorrow night we'll be going up against Bellator, which that's a little bit of a tough head-to-head matchup. But uh, we'll do the best we can. Me and CM Punk like to try and keep it entertaining. And uh, as we kind of find the next stars, the next wave of talent headed to the UFC, which uh, which I enjoy. I really do. I really do. And it's been an honor to be working with CFFC and um, man, just staying busy. You know, we did the last one just three weeks ago, and here we are again. So, uh, good. Uh, shout out, by the way, to uh, this week's presenting sponsors. Zachary Humphrey, still a presenting sponsor, was kind enough to send over some frosty beverage money via Venmo. It's John-Morgan-400. Uh, we didn't get to use it last week because uh, Latchkey Brewing came strong with the gift package as well. But that doesn't change the fact that Zachary Humphrey is now presenting sponsor, my man. And joining him this week, Thomas Dunscombe as well. He sent over a little little cash for some frosty beverage money over at Venmo. So, man, so kind. When, when you guys do that, man, it's so cool of you to do that. It really it really means the world, man. I, it makes me feel the, the show is appreciated and that you enjoy the content that we're putting out. And, uh, man, we, we love having a frosty beverage in your honor. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. I can't have any frosty beverages right now, because as I'm sitting down here, it's about uh, you know 2:30 on on the uh, on the Thursday afternoon here, because I've got to get this done, get dressed, head over to the arena, uh, and get everything set up for tonight's show. So obviously, uh, rolling in hot would be a bit of a mistake for a live fight broadcast. Uh, not that we may have. Not done that once or twice in our lives before, but we're trying to do the right thing here, right? I mean, damn, I just celebrated a birthday. I'm getting to be an old man. i got to be a little more responsible. So, no frosty beverages this week, but what does that mean? It just means that Zachary and Thomas are going to handle us for next week as well, and we'll uh, we'll make sure and do it up big next week. Uh going to be an interesting week, right? We still don't even have a main event right now. Uh, Darren Till, of course, was forced out of that UFC on ABC2 event. Um, our man Nolan King was informed that Kevin Holland was one of the first people to put his hand in the air and say, hey, I'll take that. I'll take that fight with Marvin Vittori. Let's do that. And I like the idea of it, man. I mean, but 
does the UFC want to put Kevin Holland back in there on ABC Network Television in the main event? And again, I'm not talking trash about Kevin Holland. We've 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 done that. You know, we 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 broke down the performance. I think everybody gave him his fair share of criticism, and it wasn't just about the talking. We know that's who he is. It was about the lack of fighting to go along with it, man. I got no problem if you're talking, but you got to fight. You got to be doing something too. And you know that last performance was just so bizarre, man. I think he took a big hit in the UFC's eyes. And are they going to be willing to put that on network television in a main event? Just, I mean, we're talking about UFC on ABC two, you know, not UFC on ABC twenty-two or thirty-two. When maybe you go, well, ah. We had one bad main event. We had 31 great main events before. Now we got this one. Eh, what are you going to do? No. No, you're still you're still in the honeymoon phase with ABC as far as I'm concerned. And we know the company as a whole loves you. I mean, they're performing super well for ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. So it's not as if, you know, one bad card is going to screw everything up. But, you know, Dana White, Hunter Campbell, Mick Maynard, you know, for that matter, Sean Shelby, they, they know what network television means, and they want to put something on that's that, that's good, that grabs people's attention, that helps grow the sport. And I, I got to think they'd be a little bit concerned about putting Kevin. I would. If I was running the business, I'd be a little bit concerned. And, again, that's no criticism on Kevin Holland. Everybody can have an off night. But you better have a real heart-to-heart conversation about what the hell happened in there. You know, Dana, think about what he said afterwards that fight. I think Kevin Holland had a mental breakdown. I thought that was a little harsh. I don't think the guy had a mental breakdown. But it just goes to show you kind of what they're thinking, right, and 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 where their line of uh, you know belief is, uh, and 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 even if you know the matchmakers were like, hey man, we you know we got Kevin Holland, we got Big Mouth, he's ready to go. Dana's got to sign off on that, and I just see him being hesitant about it again, unless you know you make a trip to Vegas, you get you you fly from Fort Worth out to Vegas, you sit down, you know one on one, you say, man. I messed up, dude. I, I'm sorry, man. The, the moment got to me. I was I was trying to be too entertaining. Uh, I, I heard a lot of people say afterwards that that maybe Kevin Holland does that as kind of a a coping mechanism, right? Like if you're if you're just kind of playing around. And it did maybe remember the before that week fight week when he was like, oh, I'm just doing three rounders again. You know, it's too it's too tough to train for five. I just want to do three. And we kind of joked with him in the media day. Oh, like you could be the the co-main event champion of the world or whatever. Although now we're seeing five round co-main events. We'll get to that too. But it did kind of make me wonder, you know what I mean? And, and not to sit here and play amateur psychologist too much, but that did stick out to me afterwards, right? The fact that he was like, oh, oh these five-rounders, I don't know about them. It's just playful at first. Like He's like, I don't want the main event anymore. It's just playful. But then when he goes out and performs like that, I heard some people you know, kind of float the idea that maybe that's his coping mechanism. You know, if you, if you lose, but you know you weren't really trying anyway, then did you really lose? You know, are you okay? Man, you start getting to the upper echelon of the sport – you know, that's that's dangerous, man. That's that, that's not going to get you over the hump, you know. Compare that to a guy like Marvin Vittori, who's one of the most intense dude I've ever met on earth, and I love him for it. You know, I always joke about what a hothead he is, but he's like, I'm coming to kill you every time in there. So um, we'll see. You know, by the time this is, you know, out to the world, you're listening, maybe we got a main event announced. I'm sure they're, they're working hard. Well, I know they're working hard behind the scenes, try to get something done. I did speak to Vittori's team uh, before I left uh, yesterday, and they said, look, I don't, I don't know where we stand right now, man. We're, we're working on it, you know. Uh, obviously, Marvin wants to fight, man. That, that guy wants to fight every week. <laughs> that guy literally wants to fight every week. So, you know, I think they'll, you know, he'll try to stay in there, but you got to come up with a name that makes sense, too. You know, if you come up with somebody way down the list, no backstory, no upside, 
I mean, he wants to fight. He wants to keep moving forward. He wants the paycheck. But you need something that can help advance his career. So, anyway, that's going to be an interesting, uh, an interesting week next week. But I just laid that out there and say that it'll be brought to you by Zach and Thomas. We appreciate you, boys. Thank you very much. <laughs> Maybe we can get the old uh, hot tea in. I think his uh, frosty beverage fast has been broken. I think he wanted to do like a two-week detox. But uh, I think he went and got after it last weekend. So, you know, you know how it is. We bring you back into the dark side. You think you can get away, but we bring you back in. It's been a crazy week, by the way. Uh, everybody's still talking about UFC 260, and rightfully so. Uh, it, it's funny. I mentioned it being a non-UFC week. So because of that, you know, we got Cole Coffee taking vacation over at MMA Junkie. We got uh, Simon Samano is taking a little bit of vacation as well. So, so, so we're down a couple people there. Of course, um, man, it would be remiss without mentioning the last day of, of, um, of Simon Head and, and MMA Junkie was March 31st. So. Sad to see Simon Head go. If you're a long-time listener of the show, uh, you know he's been on many times. Back when we could actually travel. Back when the MMA Roadshow could actually go on the road, uh, we would certainly have him on board with all the European events, man. He's dialed into the European scene. It's just a good dude, man. Enjoyed working with him. We didn't get to work directly together a whole lot during his time because he was working uh, early mornings, basically. Like I think basically his, his schedules used to be like 4 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern. So by the time I signed on, he was usually gone for the day. So we didn't get to work together directly a whole bunch even while he was here. But um, but obviously we stayed in touch and messaged, and, and his his uh, contributions were, were greatly appreciated. Man, so It was so nice. Uh, it really was a game changer for our website, you know, to bring on Simon Head and Farah Hanun. Uh, of course, Farah is over in Egypt, so she's even earlier in the day than than Simon is. But to have them both kind of watching the site and working on content um, while the rest of us were sleeping, you know what I mean? It really expanded the the coverage cycle of the of the website, which. Man, if you – I don't know how close you pay attention to MMA Junkie, but, man, the, the amount of content we put out is – it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's absolutely ridiculous. You're talking about, like, 20, 25 stories a day. Um, you know, and some of them are just little short posts or whatever. But, um, man, just credit to everybody on the team for the amount of content we put out. But uh, Simon and Farrah, uh, they, they were kind of game changers. And obviously Farrah is still around, so she's still going to be doing great things for us. Um, but we lost that, that one-two punch of Simon Head. But I say all that to say it's a good thing. Because he landed a full-time gig um, with a national uh, publication over there in England, so you're talking about full-time salary, benefits, all that stuff that that we like on the side. You know what I mean? So uh, happy for him. It's a, it's a, it's a salary increase for um, him and his family, and, and all those benefits on the side. And um, you know he'll get to cover a lot of sports too, which he has passions outside of mixed martial arts as well. So he'll get to cover a lot of the the mainstream sports over there. So happy to see see that for him. Sad to see him go. Uh, but it just added to the craziness this week. Of course, then I had to, to, to come do CFSC, which was awesome. It worked out great because it was the non-UFC week. Um, so I'm not worried about, you know, trying to get back on Saturday and, and, and making coverage and having to ask off for an event. But because of that, I feel like it's just straight from 260 into this. I usually take Sundays off. I, I didn't do that. I, I worked Sunday. Uh, then I worked Monday and Tuesday as well. Uh, I took Wednesday off, but Wednesday I was basically getting my broadcast notes together for for everything, I, I put together little notes um, for each for each bout, you know. So I've just got some data in front of me. Uh, I do not have uh, a photographic memory, you know what I mean? I need I need data. <laughs> I need to see little reminders. And once I see the reminder, then I got it. But so I, I take the time to put together notes, man. Research for for commentary, I think, is such a big part of it. 
uh, for anybody that's interested in doing it or, or it's something that you're that you're working at, man, I, you know, uh, it was something that, that Mauro Ronaldo stressed to me back in the day when I used to pick his brain for advice. Um, it's just preparation, man, and you see it, and it just continues. That that was years, that was before the John Anagara, but you look at Anik, and he's he shares a lot of what he does. You know, his handwritten cards to to uh, to for all the dating, and he writes them out every single time. So he's got these handwritten cards with all the information on it. I use a computer for mine because my handwriting sucks. Uh, and if I wrote it in my handwriting, I'm afraid I wouldn't be able to read it uh, when it comes fight night as well. So anyway, I was doing all that yesterday and then boarded a, uh, a red eye and then uh, got some sleep. Landed here about 7 o'clock in the morning here in Philadelphia. Uh, took a little bit of sleep and now uh, cranking this bad boy out before we head over to the arena. So it's a, it's a fun week, man. I would not have it any other way. Staying busy all circled around the sport of mixed martial arts. But as I said, the, the conversation has been all about 260, and, and rightfully so. You know, there is no UFC event to turn to this week. Um, but that, that performance of Francis Ngannou was just fantastic. I mean, we, we gushed about it on the and a half episode uh, over at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Shout out to everybody that supports us over there. If you're not supporting us over there, uh, please do so for as little as $3 a month. Uh, you get complete uh, access over there to the and a half post episodes. Uh, plus, it just helps cover all the costs of the show. So uh, we really do appreciate it. Um, but we talked about it, and, and people just continue to praise. And how could you not? I mean, just a fantastic performance. And it's awesome, too, to see the coaches over there at Extreme Couture getting the love as well. Um, you know, they, they really did a fantastic job. And, you know, we know that, you know, Eric Nixick, a guy that I've been super high on, man, one of the just – I mean, there's a lot of good dudes in the sport, but he's one of the greatest. Uh, just, an, I mean, you won't find anybody that has a bad word to say about Eric Nixick, but, uh, you know, you see the amount of, of dedication and sacrifice and effort that he's put in to the career of Francis Ngannou and, you know, invited him into his home, basically, and, you know, shouting out the, the, the son, you know, I mean, developing a relationship with the family. Um, that just goes to show you what's going on there. And um, it seems like Francis, man, talking to him afterwards as well, Man, he's in such a good place uh, mentally, physically, his game. Uh, and, and just looks, to me, primed for superstardom. I mean, absolutely primed for superstardom. You talk about the ties to the continent of Africa. You talk about the ties to France, which is a big market the UFC is trying to break into that hasn't been able to for a long time because MMA was illegal. Now it's legal, but the pandemic set in. That's a big market for him. Um, and then just the fact that the guy looks like the baddest dude on the planet, right? I mean, the heavyweight champ is the baddest dude on the planet. But when it looks like the baddest dude on the planet, no offense to Stipe. No offense whatsoever to Stipe Miocic. I mean, obviously he had the the, the fantastic backstory of being the firefighter as well and the, the humble dude from Cleveland and all that. But, um, but I, you know, it, it throws the glasses on and wears the sweater and <laughs> has the hair all – uh, sticking out. I don't know, you know, not that he didn't look like a badass. Steve uh, is a badass, but Francis is just like, I mean, he's an action figure, right? So, prime for superstar. Now, the problem is hanging on to that belt in the heavyweight division is not easy, right? It's, we, we, I mean, one shot, you know, Derek Lewis could knock him out. Absolutely, Derek Lewis could knock him out. Uh, we'll see. But the John Jones fight, man. That's that's the fight we all want to see right now, right? And it's it's funny because when we would talk about that fight as a possibility, I never wanted to get too excited about it because there were so many steps that had to take to get there, right? I mean, first, John's actually got to go to heavyweight, which 
technically he still hasn't. You know what I mean? But, you know, he does seem committed to it. You know, when we first started floating out the idea of him moving to heavyweight, I was like, you know, is he really going to do this? And, 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 and mind you, I've always been one that says he doesn't need – John Jones does not need to move to heavyweight to prove that he's the greatest of all time. I do not believe you have to move to another division to prove you're the greatest of all time. Dominating your division for a decade – makes you the greatest of all time, or at least in the discussion, right? You know what I mean? You, you get to be in that discussion. If you beat every man or woman, depending on what division you're in, you know, if you beat every man or woman alive that weighs in in your category, you have greatness. You don't, you don't have – this idea that you have to move to another division, I've just never been a big believer in that. You know, if you work your body into a, a perfection – of athleticism at 155 pounds or 170 pounds or 185 pounds, you know, those are big jumps. Those are big moves. And I don't think you have to go do it to, to, to prove greatness. And the other thing is, and I think a, a lot, probably a lot of us are this way now, man, the champ champ era <laughs> eh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't do a lot of great for the divisions, right? I mean, we don't see people that are able to go out there and defend both belts and you slow down divisions and, and maybe you cost yourself because you're you're changing your body back and forth. But even a permanent move to another weight class I don't think is necessary. That said, the fact that John Jones is doing this is badass. And, dude, if he dominates light heavyweight the way he did for a decade, then moves up to heavyweight and, and somehow beats the scariest dude walking the earth, that's massive, man. Dude, like at that point, did you just quit at that point? <laughs> I mean, do you just hang it up? You know, maybe you got a couple of fights left. I don't know. I mean, if you beat Nganu, then what? Do you then do you try to go beat Stipe as well? I mean, I know Stipe would be coming off a loss, or maybe he'd pick up a win in between. But then do you say, hey, not only am I widely regarded as the light heavyweight goat, but I beat the scary dude and I beat the heavyweight goat as well. I mean, even just one win, even the win over Nagano, as crazy as that may sound, since Nagano doesn't even have a title defense yet. Just doing that, moving up and beating the scariest dude on the planet, I mean, that would be, that is some goat talk. You know what I mean? That's some greatest of all time. That is stuff that just doesn't get done. But if you stick around and do two or three fights, especially, and it's it's not, you know, some throwaway fights, man. It's it's real deal stuff. You know, not fighting number 15 in the division or whatever, you know. You're, you're fighting champs and former champs up there. Dude, I don't care if you like John Jones or not. I don't care if you... You know, one of top picograms and whatever else, man. You have to step back and go, damn, that's some accomplishments. Uh, so I was never too excited about it because I just didn't know it would happen. But now that Francis is champ and John Jones is in the middle of a bulk, it's got to happen, right? It's got to happen. I'm so fired up about it. But, man, the way this week is played out, I am not super optimistic that it's going to happen. Now, you knew right away there were going to be problems, right? When Dana White is in a press conference and takes the time to say certain things, there are not throwaway lines. He's always negotiating. He knows. Look, if this was going to be an easy fight to get done, it would have already been done. They would have already had the conversation with John Jones, like, hey, man, you know, if Francis wins this fight, it's going to be pretty massive. Why don't we lock you up for X amount of dollars and uh, we'll just announce it that night. We'll start rolling on it. You know what I mean? I'm sure that there are at least some preliminary conversations. You can't tell me that none of the executives at the UFC, none of the brass, or even none of you know John's advisors and managers had the foresight to think, you know, 
<laughs> if Francis wins this fight, we talked about fighting him already. If he wins the title, oh my goodness. We, we got to do this fight. Now, come on, man. You know they had some talks about it. You know they kicked the tires a little bit and, 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 and had a feeling that it was going to be tough to get done because when Dana White comes you know, out at the post-fight press conference and says, look, if you want to get it done, we can get it done. Just call Hunter. you know. But already throws the caveat, but I don't know if he wants to fight. I don't know if he wants to fight. Now, um, you know, I saw some people say that, that Dana – said that John was scared. Dana never said John was scared. Dana is, you know, in the same belief that all of us with rational, sane minds are. John Jones and anybody else in the USC roster is not afraid of anybody else. It's not about fear. But it is about protecting legacy. Is the money right? You know, what does it do? You know, we just talked about how great it would be for John Jones to, to move up and win, and, and, and with the accolades he would deserve, what happens if he moves up and gets absolutely smashed? You know, what if he moves up and gets knocked out in 30 seconds? You know? Then what? Then what happens? Then you go, I mean, you could say, well, the guy took a shot. He moves up to heavyweight. Who does that? You know? And Francis is scared. Francis is knocking everybody out. The run that he's on, my gosh, look at it. You know what I mean? He's beating legitimate heavyweights in less than a minute. So, of course, he beat a, a, a blown-up light heavyweight. Yeah, you, you could say that, and maybe maybe, maybe that would happen. But knowing how people feel about John Jones, I think a lot more of it would be like, see, told you that guy was no good to begin with. Oh, all your, your picograms don't do you any good when you're up here at heavyweight. Do that. You know what I mean? It's just – your whole legacy, something that you've worked a decade to build, could be irreparably shattered in a moment. And Francis shatters reputations. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what he does. It's not like you're going to go in there and there's Francis Naganu and uh, it's going to be a, a – well, I say I was going to say it's not it's going to be some boring fight. <laughs> he did have a boring fight with Derek Lewis, but we're throwing that out, right? That was a different era. That was a different guy. But you're not going to go in there and, you know – get laid on for 25 minutes and then you get done and, and, and you wow I came to fight he just came to wrestle I didn't know it was going to be like that I'm going back down to light heavyweight where the real fighters are no 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 if you lose you know you're laying on your back looking up at the lights wondering why you ever made the decision to give up your 205 pound belt okay so John Jones wants to get paid for it and I get it he deserves to get paid man as excited as we all are about this fight I think it would do Big, big numbers. I, I mean, I think it sells over a million. Easy. Easy. I mean, this is going to be – ESPN is going to be all over this. It's the easiest storyline to sell ever. The baddest dude on the planet. The greatest of all time. You know what I mean? Like, come on. Who can't sell that? It's it's the dude that has been dominating the division for 10 years who, by all accounts, is at worst, like, the third best of all time. I mean, on anybody's list. Unless you're one of those people that says, well, I don't put anybody in the list that, that uh, you know, has tested positive. If you're like that, okay, I get it. And I know there are some people that say that. Um, but at worst, he's, what, the third greatest of all time? At worst. Now he's moving up to heavyweight to face the baddest dude on the planet. <laughs> Come on. It's the easiest sell ever. And, you know, it, it won't be this, like, crazy trash talk. It'll be, you know, some of the subtle, kind of nice stuff, you know. I mean, gosh, look at the promo they did for Stipe. That line that they had at Francis at the end, you know, just closes on that line, like, enjoy your belt while you still have it. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
Ooh! This would be huge. ESPN would be selling the heck out of this. That's, I mean, it would be on every show. He's already doing the rounds, but they're going to be showing those highlights. Massive. Okay. John Jones deserves to get paid for everything he said. It's going to make a lot of money, and you're the one putting your reputation on the line. You deserve to get paid. And, and you know, he came out and said 8 to $10 million is not enough. I agree. I 100% agree with him. You know, this is a this should be, a, a, you know, a Deontay Wilder money. You know, this should be a $30 million fight. I believe that. The problem is it's not going to be a $30 million fight guaranteed up front. The UFC is not going to do that. It's just not the way they do business. And the first time they do business like that, they're going to get stuck. Now, listen, the money that's floated out there, I, I think you guys are savvy enough to know it ain't the money that's 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 actually being paid, right? I mean, Conor McGregor, Habib Nurmagomedov, you think those guys are making two, three million dollars a fight? No. No, 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 no. I mean, the type of money they're making, 20, 30, 40 million a fight, okay? So it's there. It's possible. Now, will this be a Conor Habib type fight? I don't know, man. Conor is a different animal. That dude moves the needle like no other. And, of course, Habib was a big superstar as well. And then you had this, you know, just, uh, you know, intense rivalry. You know, maybe too intense for me, but still, intense rivalry. I don't know that it could do Conor Habib numbers. So, are we? can they get, you know, $20, $30, 40000000 million a piece? I think they maybe can. I mean, this is going to appeal globally, right? This is going to appeal everywhere. I think they maybe can. I just don't think you're going to get it guaranteed. You're not going to get it up front. That's just the way the UFC does business. So I applaud John Jones for holding out, for sticking to his guns. I hate the way he handles the negotiation process, man. Doing it in public is just not good. First of all, Dana has a bigger microphone than you, right? He's got ESPN at his disposal. I mean, I guess John Jones does to agree as well, but... Dana's a master at this. He's a master at painting the picture. He's a master at controlling the message. That's what he does day in, day out. They control the narrative. They control the messaging. They set up what people think, how people feel, what information they're privy to. Dana has all the information. and He just decides which part you get to see, right? Going against him in public, I don't think is good. And, you know... I don't think, for one, I don't think the average consumer hears somebody. And I saw, and if, in fact, even, uh, uh, you know, I saw people talking about how, like, I don't see how people are siding with the organization. I don't think anybody's siding with the organization. I don't think anybody's saying, like, no, don't pay that guy any more money. He's making all he deserves to make. It's not that. I just don't think people like to see these negotiations out in public, right? I mean, to hear John Jones say $10 million, it's just not enough. He's right. But it sounds kind of shitty, doesn't it? Like, to the average person. Now, I'm not talking about the ones that are dialed in. I'm not talking about the, the, the media members that have done research on the, uh, you know, you know on, on the, the financial efforts of the UFC, right, and the antitrust suits and, uh, you know, what percentage of fighter pay and how the business operates. I'm not talking about those people. Those people are, you know, are like, tell them, John Jones, you're absolutely right. That's a fr- you think that's the people that are making it a million by pay per view? No, 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 no. It's the casual fan, 
the the, the people that don't. So when they hear, uh, what what do they hear? Oh, this this rich dude, he don't want to fight, man. He's just holding out for money, man. Get the fight. People just want to see fights, right? That's a balance. That's a balance. So to me, this stuff should take place behind the scenes. I think in, in order to continue the appeal to the fans, I think this stuff has to take place behind the scenes. But the other thing is, I just know in years of dealing with Dana White, it's, it doesn't do you good to do this all out in public. He's going to dig in against you. He will dig in against you. He has said it on record, and he I think he means that 100%. You want to be friends, I'll be your best friend. You want to be an enemy, I'll be your worst enemy, and I will make it my mission to bury you. Okay? If you're going to make it your mission to go against Dana White and to show the world what a terrible businessman he is and how wrong you're treated and all that, they're going to move on. Dana already planted the seeds to move on. Well, the fight to make is actually Derek Lewis. And by the way, that's an appealing fight. Um, of course, it sucked the first time around, Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou, but I don't believe it would happen that way again. I don't believe it would happen that way if you had the fight a week later from the first one, but especially now. They're going to fight. Um, Dana was already playing the seeds. We're going to move on. If you want the fight, take it. If you don't, don't. And he means it. The, the, it look, we've seen it during the pandemic era. We don't have time to wait around. I need people that want to fight. I ain't got time to spend six months uh, talking about how we can make the fight, when we can make the fight, what we can do to make the fight. That's boxing, right? That's the boxing model. Let's sit here and talk about it, and let's end up doing the fight five years later. No, 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 no. The USC is going to move on. And I, don't, I just don't think this is doing John Jones any favors. Now, does John Jones care? I doubt it. His legacy is secure. You can't argue with his legacy. Um, from all indications, his financial future is certain, right? Like, I don't think he needs to take this fight. I don't think he's holding out because he's in such bad position that he needs the money. Um, but he, he wants to get paid what he's actually worth and what the fight's actually worth. And I get that. But do it, you're going to have to do it on the back end. You're going to have to do it on the back end. You're going to have to get that, that, that revenue share. If you believe it's as big of a fight as you do, and I think it is, then you'll take it. Um, and by the way... <laughs> You saw Derek Lewis come out in typical Derek Lewis fashion after John said, you know, 8 to 10 isn't enough. And Derek was like, shit, I'll do it for 8 million. <laughs> now that's Derek being Derek, right? He's having fun. I mean, that's why that's why we love Derek, right? He's In addition to his exciting fighting style, he's just fun, right? But I'll tell you what, man, it really does go to show why I've always said I don't believe fighters will ever organize into an association or a union. Um, I've seen too many false starts along the way. Uh, you know, certainly my time covering the sports, you know, all the different unionization slash association slash organization efforts. The problem is everybody's needs aren't the same. And when you're at the top of the food chain versus, you know, you're just stepping in, you're hungry and you're trying to get the bills paid. It's hard for everybody to get their interests aligned, you know? And if a guy that's making 12 and 12, you know, suddenly gets offered a fight for a hundred and a hundred because he needs to fill into a situation because some of the labor force is holding out or whatever man it's awfully hard for that guy that's struggling to pay the bills to be like you know what i see a better future for all of us as fighters and i'm gonna hold out right now i'm gonna i'm gonna let these bills mount up and i'm not gonna pay them uh because i believe in a better day for our future it's just hard man and Derek lewis ain't making 12 and 12 either but he hears eight million he's like i'm i'm set you can't can you blame him i don't know you know, but that's that's the hard part is to get everybody's interest aligned and say, hey, let's put the sport on because that's what you do, right? That's your really your only, that's your biggest bargaining chip is 
a labor holdout, right? You try to negotiate, you try to negotiate, and eventually you just say, I'm not, I'm not working until we get this thing done. It's hard to get everybody on the same page. So anyway, uh, listen, I, I hope this fight comes together. I hope that John Jones can stop the tweet and delete and just get into a room with Dana White uh, and Hunter Campbell and they can get this thing worked out. If not, I guess we'll be seeing John Jones versus, uh, I don't know, <laughs> what other fights out there? <laughs> He's not going to move back down to 205 pounds. What do, you, what do you do? You hold out and then you just take some other fight that doesn't make any sense? I don't know. I mean, is, could John Jones be done? Ah, it's crazy. Uh, all right, listen, other big news. How about Nate Diaz being added to that card down in Texas, UFC 262? Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards pumped up. Man, that card is absolutely stacked. Um, assuming I'll be there. I don't know. I, I usually cover the Texas cards, obviously, with that being my home state. Uh, usually my, I, I, I don't know, though, man, with everything going on. I don't know. Usually my, my – in fact, the last Houston show – uh, where John Jones fought, uh, my mom actually made the trip down from Dallas and came down and stayed for a couple of days. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if she'll do it this time around or not. But it's a hell of a card. Look at that lineup: Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler for the vacant lightweight title. Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards in a five-round co-main event. Man, I did not see this fight coming whatsoever. I'm, I'm excited for it. I'd really be interested to know how it all came together. And I'm sure we'll we'll have conversations about that. But I mean, for Leon Edwards, obviously it makes sense, right? I mean, there's not a whole lot of names ahead of him in the rankings, especially that are available and willing to fight right now. But this is a fight that no matter where the ranking is, it's a big fight, man. You fight Nate Diaz and win that fight, you get a lot of eyeballs on you, right? Then all of a sudden you get to start calling some shots. So I completely understand from Leon Edwards' perspective why he took this fight. And, and, and look, bummed for Bilal Muhammad, of course, you know, wanted that rematch. But, I, I, you know, Leon came out of that right away laying down the fact that he wasn't going to do a rematch. And I get it. You know, it's like, look, I, I took this fight kind of to stay busy. Um and, and to get a fight, I just needed a fight. You know, I, I and no offense to Bilal Muhammad, but you know, I'm I'm just trying to move up, and and so I got that. I still feel bad for Bilal because, you know, as we as we talked to him about, you know, that's one of the big parts of of why he broke into tears. You know, a he thought his vision was gone, which is scary, but b he also realized, you know, like this was this was my career shot, and and I don't know if it's ever going to happen again. You know and. So I understand why he wanted that rematch, but I think we all knew it wasn't going to happen. So I completely understand for Leon Edwards why he's taking this, and he gets this win. He's in a good, good position regardless of the rankings. For Nate Diaz, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what appealed to him. What, like, why was this the one that got him out? Was it the the, the, the stylistic matchup should be fun, um, you know, but, I, I, you know, isn't Nate always fighting the biggest name possible? And that's been the big criticism of Leon is that he's a great fighter, but he doesn't have a big name. So really, really surprised that this matchup took place. But, man, dude, just a lineup. Nate Diaz, Leon Edwards, Benil Terrius versus Tony Ferguson, Edson Barbosa versus Shane Burgos, uh, Jack Hermanson versus Edmund Shabazi. And it just continues to go, man, some fantastic fights. So, uh, obviously, we'll have full coverage of that MMA junkie one way or the other. Uh, we haven't made our travel. I don't even know if I'm going to Jacksonville yet, to be honest with you, uh, to, to, to peel back the junkie curtain a little bit. I don't know who's going to, to Jacksonville. We still don't have that planned yet, so we certainly ain't got May planned. Uh, I think the idea of traveling kind of snuck up on everybody. Uh, we we'd kind of been locked into our routine, so I think there's some budgeting going on and some uh, some some things being moved around. We thought we were still doing the, the Apex, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, by the way, we're back in packed arenas. Uh, so we'll find it. But, you know, I just – I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if, if um, you know, if this is a case of Nate Diaz kind of cherry-picking a, a top-ranked contender that he thinks he matches up best with. I mean, 
you know, out of those top welterweights, you know, I guess stylistically it's probably the best matchup for him, right? Like, you know, I mean, obviously you're not getting the champ with Deuce Mendo disrespect. You're not getting the champ, but that's a bad matchup for, for, for Nate Diaz. Colby Covington is probably a bad matchup for Nate Diaz. Gilbert Burns is probably a bad matchup for Nate I, I, I don't know, that would be pretty interesting, though, wouldn't it, Gilbert Burns? But I just think of the power. I mean, the grappling, obviously, is great, but I just think of the power of Gilbert Burns, even on the ground. Um, so this would be, a, this would be a, you know, a stylistically, I think it's a, it's a good matchup. Um, so I don't know if that's why Nate took it. He just saw that, hey, out of those big names, you know, this is the one up there at the top that, that works best for me. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what got him back into it. So we'll see. But... We'll get through this week, get back, and uh, get everything planned out, 261, 262, uh, all the other good stuff happening. Uh, UFC, one week off, but a bunch, a bunch of big fights coming up. Bellator, by the way, uh, is uh, is getting back to business this week. Uh, make sure you tune into that. And, I mean, obviously, I would highly recommend you watch CFFC live and maybe just tape um, <laughs> maybe take Bellator go right now. Bellator 255, first event for Bellator since what December? Man, they've been off for a while. Uh, Patricio Ferreri versus Emmanuel Sanchez in the main event, featherweight Grand Prix semifinal. The winner moves on to face AJ McKee for the tournament final. Obviously, the belt will be on the line as well. Pitbull carrying that in. Um, this is the first event on Showtime, so back to Showtime. It's getting the band back together, right? Scott Coker and, and everybody on Showtime. Um, but if you don't have Showtime, I think this is being shown live globally on Showtime's YouTube and Bellator's YouTube. So I think even the if I if I saw the press uh, release correctly, um, it's it's the whole thing's live and free on YouTube. So if you don't have Showtime yet, and, and as I understand as well, I think they're also doing like a free preview weekend. They used to do a lot with Strike Force as well. Um, you know, they'll, they'll they'll put Showtime on free for the weekend so you can see the fights and then also um catch anything else that that, that they have on the program. Which they got some they got some great program. More of a, a probably without Bellator. Now the Bellator's back, but in the lull between. Uh, Strike Force and Bellator. I probably watch HBO more if I'm being 100 honest. I watch HBO, but Showtime has some good stuff. I used to watch Ray Donovan all the time. That was on. That was a great series on Showtime. Uh, I can go back and and, and maybe watch that. <laughs> if you never watched Ray Donovan, uh, need to binge watch something. That was a good series. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I used to watch on Showtime. I think I watched Homeland for a little while, but that got too much for me. <laughs> I don't watch a lot of TV. Uh, so I, anyway. It's Showtime's worth it. There you go. It's worth it. I actually get it through uh, ATT now. I think is what it's called. It used to be Direct TV now, and it's not that expensive. It's a couple extra bucks a month. So anyway, first event on uh, on Showtime, but a, a good lineup as well. Neiman Gracie versus Jason Jackson, Tyrell Fortune versus Jack May, Mike Hamill versus the debut of Usman Nurmagomedov, uh, Alejandro Lara versus Kana Watanabe. Uh, it's a good lineup. It really is. And if you look down on the prelims. By the way, Roger Huerta on the prelims. How about that? Uh, Magomed Magomedov is on there. Come on now. Um, but if you look down on the prelims, what you see is is Bellator really has gotten away from, well, there are no tickets to sell right now, right? So you don't need the local ticket sellers. I mean, that was always kind of the market, right, is to get these local guys, um, sell tickets. and but, but you have a lot of people with Bellator experience. That the only reason they have Bellator experience is because, you know, they were a local ticket seller in a, in, in a region. Um 
which is a model as old as as time. You know what I mean? That's how MMA made its living for forever and ever was local ticket sellers, right? I mean, and and you have so many guys that had huge followings in different markets, and they can they can pack the building. You know, they'll sell two, three, four hundred tickets or whatever because people want to come watch them compete. That's big, man. That's that's big. It's it's hard to sell tickets, and you know, the UFC does does pretty well with it. Um, but even they struggle on like some, you know, fight nights in, in areas that they've been to over and over and over. Um, but the Bellator's gotten away with that. And it just goes to show, you know, the depth of their roster. It's still not as deep as the UFC's, of course, but it's a lot deeper than it used to be, you know. And, and of course, obviously, they, they launched their official rankings as well, which there were a couple, you know, a couple questionable things. I saw some debates about some people where they're ranked. But you know what? Overall, it was it was a couple. So I, I think overall the list was was pretty decent, man. If I'm being honest, you know, it didn't necessarily match mine 100. Um, I had some some variances for sure. Um, I think there's 17 people voting, so I mean, I'm just one seventeenth of the value. So it's not like mine carries any more weight than anybody else's. And there were some 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 differences, but overall, I thought the list came out pretty good, which is which is good. I think that's a good start. I mean, I think we knew going in that the people they selected were knowledgeable, um, and and I think the list that came up, well, there certainly would be some tweaks. Um, I think it was pretty good, but and I know uh, you know George Garcia, Gordon George, who also uh, is a member of the voting panel and who heads our rankings uh, at, at MMA Junkie, will tell you, you know, when you put rankings together for a first time it's always tough you know for us it was you know first you know adding uh, the flyweight division and then adding all the women's divisions and and you know those first couple rankings they're a little sketchy at first but they they shake themselves out over time you know if you're like ah how's that person number two not number three you know i mean they 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 work themselves out over time because people fight and then it, it becomes a lot more clear the first one is always a little bit challenging right but then once you get it built and, and people fight and, and, you know, people move up and move down, and it really shakes itself out. So overall, I didn't think the rankings were too bad, um, but they'll, they'll continue to evolve and they'll get better. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think you're, you're going to see improvements uh, in, in the way they look just through natural process, you know. So uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but, anyways, happy to, to see those come out. Um, I am still um, going to talk to the UFC. You know, the fact that we're now voting in the Bellator rankings – uh, means that technically I'm eligible to vote in the UFC rankings as well, which I'm, I'll be honest, I'm kind of interested in doing it. Um, my my big concern with the UFC rankings will be transparency. Bellator did a great job of transparency. The UFC thing where over time, you know, a couple times they've they've just pulled people and you can't vote um, on somebody that was ranked all of a sudden. It's like, oh, hold on, man, that's that's negotiating tactics. You can't do that. You got to let me vote on who I want to vote on. Um so we'll see. You know, we had a couple people we couldn't vote on here, but there was there was very there was logic and reason behind it. For instance, you know, you look at two hundred five. You don't have Rumble Johnson. You don't have UL Romero, which those two guys would obviously um, would obviously factor into the rankings. But you say, well, why can't I vote for him? Well, because we have a rule that just because you're signed doesn't mean you get ranked. You got to compete first, and then you get ranked. It's like, oh, okay. Um, you know, there was, there was, uh, there was a couple other names that was like, well, why aren't they, but it was, it was cool. You know, we, we reached out to the organization and said, well, why isn't their name in there? They, they seem like they should be here. And it was like, well, um, they're actually, their next fight is in a different weight class. They're moving. It's been, you know, they're past the period of, of, of eligibility, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, everything was very transparent, quick responses to any concerns we had. Um, and that's what I'd like to see out of the UFC as well. Cause I know everybody, everybody, talks trash about the USC rankings and I get it but if you're going to talk trash about it why if can you help to improve it 
can 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 your um, expertise? Can you lend your expertise to help make it better? That's what we always say, right? I mean, I, and I've said it too. That we we didn't participate in the USC rankings for a long time because we weren't allowed to by USA Today, um, but they've since changed their stance on that policy. And uh, part of it had to do with in the beginning, you remember the rankings were going to be responsible for uh, determining the the outfitting pay that came along with the Reebok deal. Um, that changed, right? Where they changed and say, okay, we're not going to do rankings. We're going to do tenure instead. You know, the longer you've been here, the better. Um, which that takes, you know, our rankings out of it. Because at that point, essentially, what they were saying is, by our ranking, we're determining somebody's income level, which you can't do that. So, anyway, that's a lot of uh, inside baseball stuff behind the scenes. But anyway, I am going to talk to UFC and see. Uh, if that's a possibility. But Bellator, definitely worth tuning in this week. And they've got uh, a bunch of big fights coming up on the very near horizon. So uh, definitely worth checking into. Although, I think you should watch CFFC Live on Fight Pass. And then, and then check out Bellator. Uh, by the way, speaking about the uh, the outfitting pay, uh, the, the Venom deal uh, debuts with the UFC. On the next card, UFC on ABC2, we'll get to see the new fight kits. I did do an interview uh, with UFC uh, COO Lawrence Epstein. Uh, yesterday, actually, and that's up on MMA Junkie today, where he talked about the Venom deal and revealed um, the new payouts for the athlete compliance uh, guidelines uh, uh, pay. So important to note, by the way, if you refer to the money that comes to those payoffs, you know it's it's the, it used to frustrate them that like the money was called like the Reebok deal. Well, it's like well the money isn't being paid by Reebok now it is. It is. It's going from Reebok to the UFC to the fighters, but it's actually the UFC that's paying that. So, you know, they used to get a little bit frustrated. I think, number one, they just wanted to shelter their sponsors from criticism, right? Like, if you don't like the payouts, you know, understand it's a UFC payout uh, arrangement, not a Reebok payment arrangement. I think that's the reason they wanted to, to differentiate. It was really just to protect Reebok and honestly now to protect Venom as well. You don't like the policy. You don't like how it works. Fine. But it's not Venom. It's the UFC. So direct your criticism, comments, concerns toward the UFC, right? Uh, but, you know, when I talked to Lawrence, he, he, he did say as well, you know, I, I want to make sure people do understand too. It's not just, you know, it's not just wearing the gear on fight week. It's also about, you know, uh, taking care of your promotional agreements, right? Showing up to the press conferences, showing up to the media day on time, being there, uh, answering the questions, you know, the old uh, I'm just here so I don't get fined t- type of thing, right? The, the old Marshawn Lynch, right? That's 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 part of it as well. As well as the code of ethics, um, you know, which is, uh, you know, I guess a little bit le- more loosely enforced, but on fight week, you know, you got to follow a certain code of ethics. So, anyway, so that's what it's all. It's it's the compliance pay, right? The guidelines compliance pay. So it's 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 a multi-pronged aspect of it. But anyway, uh, so we'll get to see the new gear at USC and ABC2. I, I have not seen, you know, I've seen a couple of the, 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 what was it, the leaked Brian Ortega image? I saw that, but we don't really know. Is that the official gear? Was that something else? Um, so anxious to see it. Um, Venom, it, it's interesting, right? Because Venom is not nearly as high profile of a brand as Reebok. Um, you know, not that I thought Reebok had the, the biggest brand power around it, right? I think of athletics, you know, uh, apparel and, and lines. I think more of like, you know, Adidas, Nike, you know, even probably even body armor to a degree. Um, you know, I never thought of Reebok as like the big, like, oh, you know, the sexy name, I guess. You know, Reebok was kind of like the, uh, wasn't it kind of like, did feel like kind of like second tier, I guess. I don't mean to be disrespectful of the Reebok brand, but, you know, that's always kind of like the, like Reebok was like the not cool brand, right? <laughs> uh, but Venom, 
you know, Venom is, is you know, if you're not a hardcore enthusiast into, like, equipment and stuff, Venom's been around the game for a long time. They launched in 2006. Uh, so, that I mean, they've been around the game for a long time. And they make martial arts equipment, you know? Um, and I think that that was a big deal, um, at least, you know, at least that's the, the talking point. That, that was a big deal that they wanted it to be, speci- you know, the, the specifically designed for mixed martial artists, not, you know, slapping a logo on something that was really designed uh, for for another reason, you know, another function. We want something that is designed for the for the martial arts space. And so I am actually kind of excited to, to, to see um, how this you know how how the equipment looks because this is designed by a martial arts company. So um, I think the gear is going to be good. I mean, people that people will tell you Venom gear is solid, man. The shorts, the the gloves. You know, obviously the OC won't be using the gloves, but uh, they also Venom doesn't make shoes as well. So Reebok will continue to supply shoes to the end of 2021. But the payment amounts are going up a little bit. You know, it's not huge increases by any stretch. If you check out. Uh, the uh, the story on MMA Junkie uh, with Lawrence Epstein, you'll see the actual tiers. They floated the graphic out there, so it's been shared a little bit on social media, that sort of thing. Um, it doesn't go up a ton. What I did like was actually uh, put all the all the uh, percentages. On, I, they didn't t- they didn't say this, but I'm assuming it was their reason. Maybe it was just coincidence, but um, I put it on a spreadsheet to see like which what what uh, how much of an increase it actually marked. And the lower tiers was like a 12 to 15% increase. Now, you're not talking about a lot. You know, you're talking about 500 bucks here, 1,000 bucks there, whatever. But 12 to 15% increase is, is good, right? Especially at the lowest level, right? I always say, man, it's that entry level, the ones that are just, just getting into the UFC. They're the ones that need it. Um, whereas the higher tiers, you know, might have only gone up by like 5%, you know. So it was kind of scaled more towards the lower end. I guess if you want to be critical, you could say, well, that's because it's less money down there. Yeah, 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 yeah. But as far as the percentage increase is good because it's more towards the lower tier guys. So I like that. I like to see that. I like to see the the lower tier, you know, men and women get a little bit more money. So that's good. Um, you know, I, I, I did ask him about, hey, you know, the idea of, well, you know, what about the idea with this new deal that people can sell like one sponsor slot, you know, one sponsor slot. And they did say, look, fighter we not only are fighters allowed to do that we encourage them we encourage our our uh, advertisers our sponsors uh, to to get individually involved with the athletes but the thing is you can and if you see like you see like the monster sponsored fighters right um the thing is you can't be a sponsor of a fighter without being a sponsor of the company as well so it's not like you know the MMA roadshow could go in and say you know what man we just picked one guy we just well, this is our guy. We're putting we're putting all of our you know vast economic advertising resources onto one person. No, you can't do that. You have to you have to um, you have to sponsor the organization first. And uh, you know, listen, that's a business practice that you could talk about a lot. You know, what, what, you know the UFC has said, look, they, they they like the way it looks for the. For, for the product itself to not have logos everywhere, but then their mat has logos everywhere. You know what I mean? The bottom line is, you know, they just want to control the sponsorship revenue. And that's, that's a place that I do wish. And again, if there was a union, if there was an organizational effort, if there was an opportunity for fighters to band together, you know, this is something that they could come to at a, uh, you know, collective bargaining agreement where they can negotiate the fact that, hey, man, we have one spot, you know. I mean, that to me just seems very reasonable. Like the sponsor banners, okay, I get it. Like, you don't like the way that looks, cool. Totally understand that. Um, you know, you don't want the NASCAR thing, I get it. 
You don't want uh, the cheap patches that are peeling off in the middle of a fight, which just looks like trash. I get it. I get all that, man. I, I understand the, the, the UFC's visual goals here, you know. But, man, you're telling me you couldn't put, you know, one logo that's no – you know, and you have rules. It's no bigger than, you know, four inches wide by two inches tall or whatever, and it goes on the left thigh. You know what I mean? Like, there just has to be a way. But it's, it's just I, – I don't know that it gets done. You know, I don't know that it gets done uh, unless you have collective bargaining. So – We'll see. Or unless you're Conor McGregor, then you can get proper 12 on the campus. I guess if you just become the biggest star in the sport, that's another way to get around the collective bargaining powers as well. But uh, So anyway, we won't see a lot of change in terms of how everything is executed. The deal it all seems to look the same. The payouts, again, are going to be a little bit higher. And the USC does like the brack. And there is something to be said for... Um, you know, you don't have to chase down sponsors anymore. You don't have to try to go get money because there are, you know, if you if you think back back in the day, man, there were a lot of a lot of fighters that got, um, you know, that got stiffed. You know, they'd wear a brand and then never get paid money for it. And I mean, the thing about this sponsor deal and, and the way the outfitting thing works is that there are fighters who actually benefited from this. There are fighters who made no money in sponsorship revenue, who their managers didn't collect sponsorship revenue. And the the sponsorship revenue that comes through the athlete outfitting policy or the athlete uh, compliance guidelines actually helps them. There are people who won from this, but there are a lot of people who lost. And and you know, I just again, I'd I'd like to see the fighters at least be able to sell one logo, just one, a little two by four. Maybe that maybe that's too big. I, I don't know, just one logo, man. That that to me, you can't talk <laughs> you can't talk about. And, and, and it, it often used to be a talking point. We don't, we don't want this NASCAR look. We don't want this NASCAR look. And I get that. But look at the canvas and the pads and the cage, man. There's, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, it's cool if the octagon has the NASCAR look. We just don't want the fighters to have the NASCAR look. Like, come on, man. That doesn't make sense. So, um, But, again, until you collectively bargain, it's just like a it's, – it's like why, why even give yourself – headaches trying to figure it out so um i did want to mention briefly by the way this triller press conference didn't talk about it much on the and a half well didn't talk about it at all on the and a half episode last week just because usc 260 was so appealing man and there was so much to talk about but uh cold coffee and i did go to the triller press conference uh this past friday right after the the weigh-ins man it was a busy day on friday like i said feel like it's been a busy week man yeah i forgot how busy that friday was uh because we had weigh-ins in the morning you know we had a couple interviews uh media interviews afterwards which was great uh you know misha tate returned she was there gave us some time aljamain sterling was there you know he had a lot to talk about um and then of course we went over to this triller press conference interesting right so first of all uh we had we had to get um covid rapid tested there uh which was crazy because we also had to COVID test for the UFC event the next day uh, on that same day. So this past Friday, Cole Coffee and I both had two COVID tests in a single day. So that was kind of crazy uh, for all the tests that I have. I think I'm up to like 80 or something now. I've, I've got it written down, but I think I'm up to like 80 at this point. Um, but that's the first time I've ever taken two in a single day. So that was interesting. But so we go in there and it, it was at the Venetian, right? I mean, Venetian – if you've never been there, you're sure at least aware of it. But honestly, 
probably the nicest hotel on the strip, right? I mean, it's just absolutely gorgeous, super beautiful. Um, packed, by the way. Vegas is coming back. Vegas is coming back. There were a lot of people there. Uh, so we, we go to the Venetian. Uh, we have to go take this this uh, this COVID test, and they had it all set up. You know, uh, here's your here you go here and fill out your form online on your phone, so it's all touchless. Uh, and then you go here for your test, and you come to this holding room, and then once you get that test done, or once you get your result back from the holding room, then you can go to where the area is, uh, the, the the big area where the press conference was. You know, everybody had an assigned seat that was socially distanced. Um, what I'm trying to say is they had this thing. I mean, they had logistics figured out. And this is not a big company. We actually know a couple people that I didn't even know were working for the company that had been hired by the company. We ran into them once we were there. So some friends of, of Cold Coffee and I both were there, and, and, and they don't have a huge staff by any stretch of the imagination. But I'm telling you right now, they had this thing figured out, and uh, it looked good, man. It, it really did. Like it, it, it looked big, you know. Um, and it, it was, it was as far as logistics go, man. It was pretty well, pretty well executed. Um, and like I said, the, the friends of ours that they've hired, man, they've got some good people. Um, working behind the scenes now they don't have a lot of fight people so that's that's the interesting thing about this whole thing is what's the overall direction of this company you know uh that's the the interesting triller fight fight club um experience i guess is you know, you know kevin ioli was there good friend kevin ioli was there and he was asking a lot of people their thoughts on kind of the, the disruptive nature of it right i mean boxing's different in the fact that the way things are set up right you don't have organizations like the UFC, right? So you can, you know, basically just bid for people's services. And that's what a lot of, you know, that's that's basically what this whole antitrust suit is about against the UFC is, you know, guys being able to just, you know, I can fight for one person one day and I can fight for another person the next. I could, if, 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 if boxing, you know, if MMA was set up like boxing, you could fight for UFC one week and then you could fight for Bellator the next. You know, that's, that's what it is. So as a boxing promoter, you can come in and spend some money and you can make a splash, right? And so when they went, went in originally with Mike Tyson, and I think the person, I think I think I heard that you know they, they ended up paying out like this was like a fifty million dollar event for them or something, right? Like that was their uh, their payroll for it. And it, and and what Triller is, and I'll be honest, with you, I haven't haven't used the app, but I understand it's kind of like a social media type app, right? Like a it's, it's an app, right? It's a, it's a, it's a product. Triller is a product, and then Triller Fight Club is the promotional arm of this. Um, and when they first came in and said, we're going to do this event with Mike Tyson, it's going to cost $50 million. I was like, you know what? $50 million is – I've seen $50 million spent in a lot worse ways. Like when you're looking – if you think about, you know, the the Fight Club thing as basically PR, right, as you're trying to introduce this product, and the way you introduced the product was by getting Mike Tyson to come in and fight. <sighs> There's worse ways to spend $50 million, right? I mean, you could spend $50 million on television advertising, billboards, radio spots, uh, banner ads on websites, pre-rolls on videos, and maybe not make the same type of impact, right? As, as a Mike Tyson fight, I mean, everybody was talking about that. It, whether it was like, oh, this is going to be a freak show, whether it was what, everybody was talking about it. So I thought, okay, man, they come in, they spend $50 million, and and that, that's how they roll out their product. Okay, cool made sense to me you know now that i see that no 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 this is this is more of a long-term play you know this is this is we're an organization now i don't know man i i don't know you know jake paul versus ben Askren for 60 bucks 
Ooh. I mean, Jake Paul versus Ben Askren, I'm going to find a way to watch it somehow. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't want to see it, right? And I'll talk about that. But um, I, I just don't understand the long-term financial play of this, right? And then you start adding in like, oh, we're going to have musical acts and, and all that. And, and it's cool. I mean, it is – you know, hey, we're, we're rethinking the game. It'll be, you know, Snoop is there. Obviously, Snoop's been at the, the, the forefront of entertainment industry for a long, long time. He's got amazing connections. Um, he knows the space. You know, there's people involved in this thing that get it, man. And there is something to be said for, hey, man, you know, boxing is kind of dying, but we're going to turn, you know, we're going to make boxing exciting again for a new generation of people. We're going to get people to tune in, and, you know, they're going to tune in, and they're going to want to watch the rap act uh, in between fights. And, and um, I didn't see the first pay-per-view. I think I was working during it, but I was even talking to Kevin Ioli about it. And uh, if I remember right, I think we were working a UFC event during that or, or something because I didn't get to watch the first pay-per-view. But anyway, uh, he said, he and even Kevin Ioli, who's – will be openly critical of things that he doesn't, you know, find interesting. He said, he said, man, the way they did it, it was amazing. The production was unbelievable. The show was set up right. It was it was great. You know, he was complimenting them on how good they did it. This press conference they did, massive stage. It was lit well. It, 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 you know, um, you know, say what you will about the flow of the show. I mean, that's things they can work on. But as far as just visual uh, look, it looked amazing. So I, I, I get all the, but I just don't know how you pay for it all. How, how does this, I mean, when you talk about you're, you're bringing in these big name names, they, 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 Oscar De La Hoya is going to make a comeback? How much you got to pay that guy? But then you're talking about, you know, you got these musical acts, and, and what was, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe they're taking a part of the action or something. I mean, you always do that, right? You can give away some ownership stake or whatever. But, like, think about it. They, they, they announced, um, uh, the the for, like one of the people performing there is this new group called uh, Mount Westmore, Snoop Dogg, Ice Cube, uh, E Forty, and Too Short. Okay, cool man. Those are some huge West Coast you know names. That's amazing. But how much you got to pay them all to be there? So I just I just don't understand how the how the finances of this work. Um, but I don't have to. It's not my business. But I just worry about their long-term financial health and, and what the upside is of it. Now, as far as the fight itself, they got me. I'm intrigued. <laughs> it, I said, you know what? I said it before, you know, I, when this thing first got announced and, and I still stand by this too, like I still don't understand what Jake Paul gets by beating Ben Astrum. I mean, you get to say I beat an MMA champion. Yes, but you beat the guy that has, he'll even say, like, he said it. He's like, I have no striking. I, I didn't need to. You beat a guy with no striking in an all-striking match. Now, you beat Ben Askren in an MMA match. You beat you beat Ben Askren in a wrestling match. That means something. You beat him in a boxing match. I don't know what it means, to be honest with you. But whatever. I mean, I, I am intrigued because I'm like, I don't know what the hell to expect. So that, so that part of it, I don't think I necessarily get the upside for Jake Paul. Like, I still think you win and people still doubt you. It's not like people now accept you and go, oh, shit, you, you outboxed Ben Askren? Oh, you are legit. No, that's not going to happen. If you if you beat Ben Askren, they're, they're just going to say, so what? You beat a guy that can't strike. So I don't I don't necessarily get the upside. But I, I, but I, <laughs> but I do get the, you know, the fact that it pulls me in because I don't know what to expect. You know? I, 
is Jake Paul that good? I think he's better than people want to give him credit for. I think he's taking the training seriously, and I think he can win this fight. Ben Askren is a much more seasoned combat sports veteran. He's taking more shots. Here's what I think is that I think what's key is early here, right? Because you know Jake Paul has absolutely mowed through some people so far, but it's been nobody's, right? It's been like a it's been like a a, a fellow YouTuber and a basketball player. He's not going to be able to, to get Ben Askren out of here that quick. I, flying knee aside, I get it. I understand he was knocked out in five seconds. It's not like that happened to him multiple times or every time he fought. He's taken some shots over his career. And I don't think – so if Jake Paul thinks he's going to come here and get it in one round, get it in two rounds, it might be a problem. Now, you know, I don't think, you know, like will he be nervous on the big stage? Well, it is it's crazy. It's at, I don't know if you guys know this. It's actually at the stadium where the Atlanta Falcons play, right? So you're talking about – I think it's called – what is it? Mercedes-Benz Stadium or Alliance? I can't remember. one. I can't remember what the sponsor is. Uh, Alliance, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, but the the, the huge, massive – Huge arena stadium, and there's no fans in there. They're gonna allow a hundred people. They're giving away a hundred golden tickets, which again, good promo work, all that. Um, so I don't think Jake Paul will get nervous, you know, per se, like under the bright lights. You know, I don't think I think that guy's been at the. I mean, he's look, he's he's a star on social media. I don't think he'll freeze up or anything like that. But what I do think is, what happens when you come out and you just, you know, you pummel Ben Askren early, give him your best shots, and he doesn't go away? Because I do think Ben Askren is capable of taking some shots. Uh, again, the flying knee aside, the the perfectly placed, perfectly timed, not fair to call it lucky, but fair to call it, like, there's a reason we don't, there's a reason it's a record setter. There's a reason it's one of the greatest highlights, because that doesn't happen all the time. I've seen people throw that same knee a whole lot and <laughs> miss it or fall on their ass or, or whatever, you know. Um, that's not going to happen again. You know, I don't think lightning strikes twice. So then what happens? Does, does you know, does he start to fade a little bit? We'll see. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Uh, I don't know if we're going to cover this one, by the way. I mean, I know we'll cover it on the site one way or the other. I'm not going to go there. Um, I, I know that uh, I think there was some talk about maybe sending Mike Bond out there, but we don't know if they're going to take uh, media yet or not. Um, again, they're still working everything out. So at this time, you know, I will say, man, they took the they took the COVID restrictions pretty damn serious, man. They mask on for they, they had, like I said, the, the COVID test they had for us, uh, N95 masks uh, handed out to everybody, and like even though obviously everybody has masks, we had to walk through the casino to get there. Uh, so you have to wear a, a mask in the casino. So everybody already has a mask, but they were like, "Hey, if you could take your mask off, because I, you know, I just wear like a, you know, regular little cloth covering or whatever." And they were like, "No, no, no! If you could take that off and put on this N95 mask, you know." So seems like they're taking it seriously. So you know, I don't know what that means for if they'll let people into their bubble and that sort of thing over there, but but we'll find out. So all right, listen. Uh, you probably tired of listening to me ramble, right? I mean, you got no cold coffee this week. You got no hot tea this week. You just had John Morgan. <laughs> Hopefully, I didn't bore you too much. Uh, like I said, appreciate it if you can. If you if you ever thought about uh, supporting the show, please do so at patreoncom slash Show. Building a little fun community over there, and uh, and I really do appreciate it. And we've got some some other things on the horizon if we can ever get 
dug out from under the weeds here uh, to take care of. But I see my, my phone, my, my text message has been going off. My, my CFFC crew is trying to round everything up and get the plans done. So uh, I better get to work there. Uh, tune in. Uh, by the time you hear this, I'm sure the Thursday show will already be in the book, CFFC 94. Uh, but watch it on replay. Watch CFFC 95 live Friday night, USC Fight Pass. And then catch you some Bellator at some point as well. <laughs> we'll be back with you next week. Uh, we'll have plenty of frosty beverages with our two presenting sponsors. And uh, maybe we'll have hot tea and, and whoever else we can figure out. Uh, until then, thanks for listening.